welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Cool as Ice. Ice, Vanilla Ice plays a rapper named Johnny that bounces from show to show and from girl to girl. On his way to the next town, he and his crew get stuck in a small town when one of their motorcycles breaks down. While they wait for it to be fixed, Johnny finds himself mixed in with a local girl whose family might be in danger. Screenplay by David Sten, directed by David Kellogg, and released on October 18, 1991. Have you seen Cool as Ice before? Yes, and I saw this in the theater. <laughs> is this the first movie that you've seen in the theater of the ones that we covered? Um, from it's one what, of. Yeah, sure. from what I remember, I do remember going to the theater and watching this movie. Okay. On purpose? Like, you know, like, were you like a fan of Vanilla Ice and you're like, I have to go see this? Or was it just like, eh, there's nothing else this is the movie we're choosing today? Um, I mean, probably, I think, so I went with a friend, and I think maybe the friend was more of a cool as I, or a Vanilla Ice fan. They were the, uh, I don't, do, do Vanilla Ice fans have, like, a nickname? Like, like no, I have ice, no idea. Ice, ice, ice babies. <laughs> yeah, the babies. Um, I have no idea. I mean, we were, like, 11, and it was probably and then i was surprised that this is like a pg-13 movie but whatever so that was like from what i remember is maybe we just decided to go see a movie and that was the only movie to see okay so it wasn't your fandom that brought you no yeah i wasn't like i need to see this day one type of thing it was just i remember going to the theater and seeing this okay as a young girl I I remember that it released. I never watched it. I considered watching it for, you know, like the camp factor over the years. Even back then, like basically right when it released, it was like, oh, this is going to be cheesy garbage. Yeah. Right. So like there was that appeal to it if you like that type of stuff, which I always have. So that would be the only reason to do it. But, you know, it just never crossed my path until now. I think the only thing I knew about this movie was, you know, get with the zero or drop the zero and get with the hero Mm. that's it (laughs) other than that i just knew it was a movie that had vanilla ice in the starring role i knew nothing about the plot or anything looking at it now i think it's very clear and it probably was clear at the time that this was really just made to cash in on the fad that was vanilla ice oh yeah and there's an argument to be made that the fad was almost over by the time this movie came out, which is probably why it flopped so hard in the box office, or partially. Um, I don't know. You were I probably mean, more not... ingrained on the music scene back then. I know he yeah. released albums since, and he's like continuing to put out music to some degree. Right. So, 
I think, I mean, it's not really, I don't know who this movie is for because yeah, it's not Yeah, one of my meant... talking points. <laughs> like, who is this meant for? Because it's not really meant for kids. And then you know he did, like, ninja rap. Yeah. So you think that, like, kids would want to go because of the Ninja Turtles to see this. But it's, the subject matter is not childlike at all. But it's it's packaged. But kind of. <laughs> it's packaged like a Saturday Cheesy. morning cartoon. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, it, that's that's where I wrote down too. Is like, who is this movie for? And I think like if we're talking in terms of characters in the movie, it is meant for the Tommies, the little brothers in this, who are like sitting around playing Tecmo Bowl and Super Mario Brothers three. Right. You know, and who like clearly when you know Johnny comes to the door, he's like completely enamored with him, right. much more than anyone else in the family, including the love interest. He's like, oh my god, you're the coolest person right. ever. Right, I think... They're catering to that kid. We're supposed... Yeah, we're supposed to be like... Yeah, that. we are That's supposed the, to be Tommy. We are supposed... I guess, like... Yes. I, but... Which shows me, what the fil- filmmakers thought yeah. of the audience. Yeah, <laughs> and like, as an 11-year-old watching this, I was like, oh, he's so cool. I never thought Vanilla Ice was cool. <laughs> so, no. I was just like, the movie is fun, in a way. It is, it is. Like, I, I don't very hate safe it, to say. but it's, like, I think it's because you got these, like, quirky characters and, like, that quirky house and, you know, um, it's, it's basically like motorcycles and, yeah. yeah, it's, like, seven different music videos put into, like, some random plot. It's it's fun in the same, we can compare this to a whole bunch of movies and I actually kind of want to a little bit, um... I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Doc Hollywood. Oh, first thing that came to my mind was Rock and Roll High School Forever. Because oh. it's the same type of, like, childish, like, playfulness, not only in terms of, like, the characters and, like, what some of them are doing, you know, because you have, like, the the crew, like, making their peanut butter and pickle sandwiches and they're, mm. like, goofy things and there's the wacky neighbors who are, like, dancing and, you know, whatever. All that kind of stuff that's happening, which is reminiscent to me of Rock and Roll High School Forever, where it's just, you know, carefree just fun mm-hmm. goofy behavior that doesn't make any sense within the context of the movie but it's there just to, you know get a giggle out of you or a smile yeah um so that's where my head goes and also you know obviously with the camera work too where it's you know a lot of canted angles it's trying to be very 90s in that same way that we saw with or uh, new jack city yes that's okay. the new jack city <laughs> <laughs> all over the place the 90s was like the same style presented just, in different yeah, ways by different levels of expertise. Yeah, it's experimenting with, like, camera angles. Yes, there was a lot of that. Of You know, the, the cameras were starting to become a little bit more fluid and, and, and more handheld than they had been in the past at this time. Um, you know, it, it, you didn't have to build, like, specific rigs to do a specific movement. You could just have somebody hold it, and that wasn't always the case. Um, anyway, the... Um, I think the other one that we could probably compare it to is Purple Rain. Oh, yeah. Right? I thought of... Well, I first thought of Doc Hollywood because... Oh, yeah. You know, Why did you think of Doc Hollywood? Just because, because of the subject matter and the PG rating? No, because it's, you know, they, they're they in... They're from, I don't even know, a city. They don't really say where. Yeah, I, I should probably... Like, the summary that I mentioned, that's me just piecing shit together. Because <laughs> the movie does not explain 
if Vanilla Ice's crew or whatever, if they are actually professionals touring That's, to come, yeah. what, whatever, I thought they were from that town no, for a long I thought, time. I thought they were just going from city to city, and the bike breaks down in a small town where it's obviously, like, they're from, like, Footloose era, because it's like, people are still dressed up like they're from the 50s, like when they go to that sugar shack. I guess, but yeah, yeah but like the, the and then farm you that have they these go four... to right on the start, like it's it's a hip painted barn with all kinds of like cool, be- you know, it'd be like an art museum. Okay, you know, it's uh, like a... but it's just like these four guy, or not, I shouldn't say guy, four people. Four people, there's... there is one girl, there's, there's princess in the there, woman, which I don't yeah. think they ever say by name, but she's yeah. credited as princess. So you have these four people come in, he's like, you know rapping and stuff and people are like what the hell is this and then you know people start liking it but i i just got that because you know they stay there for what like a week while the motorcycle gets fixed and then they leave that's kind of like doc hollywood stayed in that small town until his car was able that's yeah I didn't, to be fixed. I didn't think about that. I think that's a fair comparison. That's yeah. what, that was the first thing I, I was like, oh, we got another Doc Hollywood. But then, yeah, I also thought of Purple Rain because, I mean, Purple I think it's Rain, trying to be like Purple Rain. <laughs> yeah, but it can't. <laughs> Even though Purple Rain plot-wise is not great. It's not a good... Okay, Purple Rain is not a good movie. Like, in It's terms just of, good like, to story. me because I am a... F- fan of prince yes it's it's an amazing quasi concert film yes with but okay the, the stuff that happens in between the musical numbers in is not Rain good is not good but it's at least like interesting and quirky and even though it doesn't land it's still like fascinating to watch because it's just prince and like you know it's what is he actually you know you're trying to wrap your mind around whatever visual elements he's putting together mm-hmm. vanilla ice on the other hand i think what fails about this movie is that there's actually only a couple vanilla ice songs it's not all of his stuff in here no. and so it doesn't work as a concert film because he's not performing all that much even though music is like non-stop in this thing um it's not all his music and then all the stuff in between doesn't have that potential depth it doesn't have that artistry that prince's stuff has even if it doesn't really connect with us it's still artistry that's being pre- presented, you know, like mm-hmm. with the little mump, you know, little puppet thing that Prince had in the dressing room, for instance. Oh. Um, but like, here is just there's no depth. He's exposing Vanilla Ice is exposing himself to have absolutely no depth, no substance to him. You know, like where are you from? I'm from around. You're from yeah. around. Yup, yup. End of conversation. So, I mean, like, you know, you don't even have like the visual, uh, you have visual stimuli, but like, I mean, he almost... sort of explains, he's like, I'm here now. Like he just lives in the moment. I, I understand it's yeah, kind of dumb. It's really trying to be deep, but there's nothing there. He's like, Absolutely. I'm just living in the moments. Whoever I'm from is where I am now. Or like that scene when like like, I'm here now. This is where I'm from, or something. Yeah, yeah. The character motivations just do not make any sense at all. But yeah, I mean, I will say the the movie is again visually interesting. It has a lot going for it in that respect. But there's no cohesive structure, and I think a big part of why that is is because of the director David Kellogg. Mm 
he's mostly a commercial and music video director. Uh, he's done some Playboy videos as well, but like in terms of like movies, it's like his two biggest movies is this and the 1999 Inspector Gadget. Mm. Other than that, like he's doing like commercials, like he did the Jerry Seinfeld Superman American Express commercials that okay. were huge like Super Bowl ads. He's done music videos for like Expose and Heavy D and Taylor Dane, Al B. Shore, the Michael Jackson Jam video is his. Mm. So you know he's he's done a lot of music video work. And this is basically just a bunch of music video styles that are shoehorned into a potential plot structure. And so there's no cohesive like style. There's no cohesive visual look. It's just from scene to scene, it's something different. Like you have um, the opening title credits is basically like a CNC Music Factory video oh, where yeah. they're in like an abandoned factory. He's rapping the theme song Cool as Ice and he has like, you know, the exposed cage light that he's singing into mm-hmm. and everybody's dancing around him. And then you go into like another scene where they're introducing the love interest's family and it's, you know, this frantic thing where they speed up the film to make everybody, you know, running around the tables and looking at papers and, yeah, yeah. you know, dancing while setting for dinner. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know what, <laughs> you know, those things don't mesh. Right. right. Yeah. That's just. It's like little vignettes that are connected like, by that plot. That was like a Black Hole Sun type video. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, at some point, you just kind of want Beefus and Butthead to start making fun of this thing. But, I mean, I think it makes sense that, you know, David Kolog, he's good at putting together these, you know, well-received three to four minute things or less. And so he just did that a bunch of times. And then there's nothing to connect it. Uh, and then... We've talked about this before as well, but just in the filmmaking side, we have Janusz Kaminski as the cinematographer again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we saw his work in Terror Within 2, which we talked about, um, and we'll see him again three more times. He was busy this year, but uh, just to remind people, the cinematographer for this movie is an Oscar winner for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. I, just yeah, a couple years later. I just want to know the, like how he came from this to what he does now. Yeah, in just a couple of short years. I mean, honestly, I understand more watching this as to why he went on to work with other people than I did when watching Terror Within 2. Terror Within 2 is the most I generic feel, yeah, thing I, in the world. This has style. This has, this, like, flair. Yeah, he was just like, I need a job and I'll just do this thing. Oh, yeah. But if I was a cinematographer offered any movie, I'd probably oh, take yeah. it, right? <laughs> but wouldn't you want to, like, go, like, use your artistry, like, you know, like, salmon berries, like, try to do something like that or something? Well, yeah, but there's only X number of those available. And, you know, this, this was meant to be a big movie, right? This They wanted this to I be mean, a this, huge thing. I mean, I understood. The cinematography in this was better, and I understood, and I... I can see his, like, vision growing, I guess. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming Terror Within probably was made... F- I don't know. I don't know which one was made first. But, I mean, obviously part of it's due to the director and what their vision is. And David Kellogg had that visual eye from his work in music videos and stuff like that um, that he could bring in and say, here, do this. You know, like, let's get these weird angles. Like, let's catch this scenery. Let's try to frame the shot in this specific way and I think you know 
in that way, the movie is fun to watch. The other way that it's fun to watch is just how bad the acting is and how unmotivated the characters yeah. are. But that is also what kind of frustrates you as like a, a in a legitimate film sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all the acting is bad. I mean, okay, Vanilla Ice, yes. Yeah. Of course, like he won the Razzie for uh, for this thing. For worst actor. For for worst new star. Oh. Uh, not not worst actor overall. He was nominated for that, but Kevin Costner took that award for Robin Hood. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, but he won he won the Razzie for best or worst new star. Um, his love interest, Kristen Minter, was also nominated for worst new star, but lost to Vanilla Ice. I don't think Kristen Minter was bad. No. She was just in a bad situation. I she was given bad just, dialogue. Yeah, I think they were bad just character choices. Trying to have fun in this movie. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, and like making fun of themselves. Like we we know this is not going to do great. Maybe so. Let's just have a good time and do whatever. And that can lead to more success too, right? You know, if you have people who are having fun on screen, that can translate to the audience, and it can make yeah. it more fun, and people will see it. Vanilla Ice just seemed kind of checked out in a way. He seemed like he was so intent on keeping up this specific, almost like stoic image of, you know, this super cool guy. Mm. They didn't have like any actual emotions at any time. He didn't have any, I don't know, motivation to do what he was doing. He was just sort of, I never got the sense that he was trying to do anything other than sleep with this girl and then move on to the next town. I mean, that seemed, that's probably what that was he usually initial. does. Oh, yeah, that was the initial purpose, right? Like, but, he finds a cute girl in each town and, you know, probably hooks up with them and then goes to the next town. But then at some point they fall in love, I guess, but they don't... The chemistry doesn't work. Right. And maybe it's partly because the main scenes where we're supposed to see their relationship blossom in this one afternoon where they go to this abandoned construction site or not abandoned but you know it's just yeah and, and sparsely new... worked construction site right. <laughs> um and then like random open fields and stuff um again it's like a music video where they're not they're dancing around all these like wooden planks and they're looking at the cameras and laughing mm-hmm. instead of looking at each other and laughing they're looking at us the audience well it's as if the person yeah, that's like looking at them yeah but it doesn't work i don't i we did not feel, or I did not, I'm not going to talk for you, but I did not feel their romantic connection in those scenes. Did you get the sense that they're, like, becoming more connected and, you know, intertwined? It just felt like a weird, like, eh, it's a jaunty, fun afternoon, and then we're going to have some lustful scenes on the bike and in the field. Right. It's not like, oh, now I love you because of how deeply we're connecting. When yeah, they don't even know, like, what exactly were they connecting on? Well, he's from around, yup, yup. <laughs> but they <laughs> so don't show like that, them that's... have, like, an actual deep conversation besides him saying, wherever I'm from is where, or wherever I'm at is where I'm from type of thing. Yeah, I wish I and would then, have written more stuff, but... That he says that... I was trying to wrap my head around, like, what... Yeah, I was trying to wrap my head around, like, what... What was just said? Why was this just said? 
I mean, she talks I, more about her, because he even asked her, what's it like living in this small town? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I like it. And he's like, really? Because like, well, he's he probably like, been around, a quote, around. Well, yeah, and she's like never the, left that town. One of the deep things that he said that is supposed to make you as an audience sort of like feel pity for him, he's like, well, what's it like having a family, basically? Right. You know, like, and she's what's like, it I like? like it. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, having a family I mean, is cool. Like, oh. It's like, I... Go I didn't know them. what that's like. I go from here to there. Yeah. But wouldn't he think his friends are his family? You'd think so, but he definitely doesn't treat them that way. He just leaves them all to stay in this stupid <laughs> this house, this right. barn. But I the think... entire time that he's like off gallivanting well, all, with this girl. All his friends are like, oh, he's going to do whatever he's going to do and chase after whatever girl yeah, so we'll for the day. Bored while this guy who pretends so like he can fix a bike. Try to entertain our own selves by making a castle, a, like a house of cards and right. stuff like that. And dance around the house and in the streets. It's so weird and really nothing makes sense. I mean, he travels with them from city to city. Wouldn't they be close like a family yeah you'd think so i mean we're, we're kind of all over the place with this but the movie's also all over the place yeah. but like when nick who is cat okay we never even said that the girlfriend the love interest name is cat or kathy yeah that's Kristen mentor's character boyfriend nick mm -hmm. uh gets super jealous possessive typical asshole prep dude right yeah um and you know, to sort of get back at Vanilla Ice for dancing with this girl at the Sugar Shack Club, which is just full of nerds. I mean, it's like... The most crazy nerd stereotypes try, you've ever seen in your life. It's trying to be like this 50s peach pit or like the Max or something yes. type place where teens hang. And they're all like dressed like they're... That's what I was thinking, like this is just like a footloose type of town or something and then these people come in and rap and everyone's like whoa i've never heard rap music basically but yeah <laughs> so then, that makes nick jealous because johnny pulls cat into the crowd right, but and I they've think already she's had just, like prior yeah they interactions had interaction. and um, well, yeah, the, and so Nick starts beating up on sir d's bike sir d is like one of the people in the crew and Boy, what a weird scene that is. So, like, he's he's protecting his family, quote-unquote, in that respect because he's protecting the bike. Right. Which, I don't know where Sir D, Princess, and, and what is it, Deezer? Deezer, yeah. I don't know where they are because it's at the freaking farm, and there's, like, two people walking, watching on the porch while all this is happening. It's, like, four prep dudes <laughs> against Vanilla Ice. He stops them. Of course, he's able to defeat all four of them and walk away. Doesn't go in to say, "Hey, Sir D, right. your, your bike your, is your like bike been, has been beat up." And then I was like, "Baseball bats or well, something." Even to go back, like after they do their performance at whatever warehouse, they are riding their bikes through this small town. One of the guys, I don't even know, is it Deezer? His bike completely just breaks just down working. in the middle of. The street. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're in there. The name of the character is Jazz. Jazz. Oh, played Deez by played Deezer, by Deezer D. D. Okay. Sorry. So yeah. Jazz's bike breaks down, and then that's when they find this quirky little shop. 
which isn't a shop. It's just a house yeah, on the but, road. And the guy's But like, it doesn't even, like, show them, like, look up, where can I get my bike repaired? No, it's they just, just like, get stopped just... by this, this farmer dude who thinks that they're trying to sell, like, sell I guess he's, it? like, meeting somebody to buy a bike, and he's like, okay... I guess I'll buy it for you from for five hundred dollars or something like that. And, and again, it's like, a weird conversation. Then it's like, no, this is a broken bike. Like we're just trying to get out of this town, whatever. And he's yeah. like, oh well, I know how to fix bikes. And they're like, okay, it's not a repair shop. Like clearly not a repair shop. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it it's a really weird scene. And all the scenes with that family, uh, the farmer and and the wife there, right. Roscoe and May, um, it's weird. But, so, that couple is trying to fix Jazz's bike, and they said it would take a day, but it's more than a day. Because they don't actually know what they're doing. Right. But, meanwhile, you know, they're just, like, stuck in this town, and wouldn't they they also have to fix the beat-up bike, Sir D's bike, as well? Because, is that also broken? I don't know. Were they watching on the porch when it happened and they were able to fix that one at night? I was like, well, they would also (laughs) have to get that bike fixed. Yeah. So, I don't... And then causing them to stay there longer or something. Yeah, nothing about the timelines adds up. I don't know. And then the one thing that really bothered me was like in the very beginning where they're just riding their bikes on the highway and... Vanilla Ice sees, you know, Kathy on her horse. Right. And he's got to do this, like, dumb-ass move to try to be, like, cool. Yeah. To show off or whatever. So he does this fucking pop-a-wheelie thing over the fence in front of her while she's riding this horse. And the horse gets scared and she falls off. I was like, she could have died. Yeah. That's the, that's their me cute, right? I was like, like that's, that's their introduction. If that yes. happened to me, I would automatically be like, "Yo, I'm I almost died, and you almost like killed my horse." I would be extremely mad. I wouldn't be like, I mean, I know she punches him stuff, but and she sees him later on, but I would be like, "You almost killed me." Right. Yeah. Again, character motivation is not the thing. Yeah. So he. <laughs> he he gets punched, which is appropriate, like in the stomach or shoulder. Yeah, or she punches like him. He's simple. like, "You hit pretty well for a girl." Yeah, and and like I was he like, gets "Okay." Offended. It's like, "What'd you do that for?" Basically, he's like, "Dude, you almost fucking killed me." <laughs> like that, like that bothered me in the beginning. Yeah, that's a really ter- nothing. The Vanilla Ice's character does in the beginning of this relationship gives her any reason to spend any time with him. Right. I think the only reason why she's probably enamored by him is because he's different. I guess so. And But I would be turned know. off by all the and other stuff that happened. Like know. the fact that, yeah, you almost got her killed by, you know, because horse accidents are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, she could have, like, broken her spine. Two, he steals her organizer with money inside... Like, she had some check or something that she yeah, was trying yeah. to find. That I was think inside he was, the organizer, I think he which was, he stole. I understand that, but he so probably not, was trying to figure out who she was. But the fact that she just gently forgives that is stupid as well. 
some and of the stuff later on too, like when a, you know, a lot of the. I know that she's eighteen, but it was just a lot of. Um, but she has perfect scores on her SATs, and she's like this prodigy. Getting ready type of to go to college. Going to go to college, and yet you know. Even though her dad is saying this guy's probably connected with these guys who are trying to get us in the family, <laughs> which we haven't talked about. Yeah. And there are obvious connections that she could make to believe that that was true, even though it's not. She's not making those connections, right? Like, so, I don't know, like when she gives him a ring during that, that whole thing. Yeah, I was like, that is a wedding ring. <laughs> she gives him a ring, which yeah. is weird. And at some point, when. Johnny is told not to come back. He sneaks into her bedroom. And that's another thing that she should not be fucking forgiving is her sne- him sneaking into the bedroom of someone that... She- you don't know this fucking person. And you let him sneak in and wake you up with an ice cube in your mouth? Yeah. And then you're, like, gonna change in front of him? Right. Like, I two seconds like, later? I was like, your parents are all... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know if they were, but the brother certainly was because he walked in like two seconds That's, later. I was and always it thinking from about like the parents, and I'm like, wouldn't you? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how. I'm not gonna like bash like parental, like, like how they're they're gonna be a parent to their 18 year old daughter. They were like, oh, they she's... didn't seem like they're bad parents. Like no. anytime that they sort of like chastise her for behavior is more out of her safety rather right. than like for her doing something but like they, bad, quote like, unquote, because of the even whole subplot which we haven't talked about. Yeah, <laughs> even when he comes to the door, he wouldn't he? I know he's like never see my daughter ever again, but he still comes anyways. Yeah, but wouldn't he? The dad be like, hey, I thought I said to never come here again. And it's like, no one really... No one acts the way you expect them to act. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, oh and yeah, then, so the, the ring thing, right? So yeah, she gives him the ring while they're out at the construction site. And then he sneaks back in at some point, throws the ring into the fishbowl that she has in her room before leaving town. She could easily think, and like her brother's gone, like in the next scene. And, like, she knows that he's been kidnapped. She could use that ring in the fishbowl as, like, a sign that he was with the kidnappers. But You could make that, she, you could make that visual connection. Yeah, yeah, but he's a good person in her eyes. Very true, but then afterwards, when he gives them the envelope with yeah. the tape inside, it's like, here, this is for you. Yeah. Which, like, she doesn't see him picking it up off the porch. Right. He just see, She just sees him giving the envelope with the tape saying we have your son basically yeah. why would she not think that she's with the bad guys she knows him after two days of hanging out with him exactly he's a good guy yes yup yup I mean he's the hero he said it why would he say get with the hero if he's not the hero <laughs> alright we can get to the other subplot about these yeah <laughs> we're saying subplot but it's really the plot right yeah yes like honestly like vanilla ice there's Trying nothing to get the for him girl to do. Is there's, the plot. Yeah, there's nothing for him to do. It's all about like this whole thing with Cat and the family, and Vanilla Ice just happens to be there and he'll participate. <laughs> and that's what this is. Um, and so, <laughs> so, so we have Cat, and then uh, her brother Tommy. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Grace and Gordon as the parents, and they are found by some thugs who saw a TV interview with Kat and Gordon, the dad. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are coming 
to him to shake him down for $500 million. <laughs> yeah. And they are basically saying, you need to have this money to us within 24 hours or else. Which is a completely empty threat because way more than 24 hours happens before anything right. else happens to this they family. kidnap his son. And then give him another 24 hours. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> like, wouldn't you, uh, I mean, if you were in New Jack City world, you would have been dead. I don't know. Yeah. Like, after that 24 hours... Like what's the or else? I don't <laughs> or know. else we'll give you another 24 hours? That's basically what it seems to be. I mean, because there's a lot of dialogue in here that indicates that there's been multiple days passing. But like, these are not competent thugs, Clark and Morrissey. Yeah, they're they're they doing the stakeout, like... but they're right out front and they're outside of the car just like eating and drinking. And maybe they're trying to specifically intimidate him. Yeah. And it's not like to be hiding, but... They don't talk to him until later on. But, the, okay, long story short, basically the family is in witness protection, but the kids don't know that. The, right. The, they were pregnant with Kathy, who is the oldest daughter, um, at the time that they went into witness protection because Gordon used to be a cop. These two thugs are corrupt cops who were sent away to prison, and now they're back to claim money that they think that Gordon had from whatever operation his partner was involved in or something. Yeah. They don't really fully explain like right. where what went down and Yeah, like, I, I still don't where even they know. think this money came from or <laughs> yeah. why he would have it, but that's what's happening. Um but yeah and, and, and for some reason the family's like don't call the cops. Right? Like the wife is like, Don't call Wouldn't... the cops, don't contact the cops. But they're but in like, witness protection. Wouldn't they still be... Yeah, wouldn't they have a contact within yeah. witness protection to say, hey, someone found me? Yeah. Help me out? Yeah, I don't understand. And, like, they aren't corrupt, right? That's the whole no. point. Is like, supposedly they are not corrupt. They helped... So why would the cops not help them if they're being intimidated? What would be the problem with telling the cops the story about how you are in witness protection? Mm-hmm. Nothing makes sense about what's going on here. We already told you, like, Tommy gets kidnapped and then... Um, what's his face has to save the day if Elias and his motorcycle buddies have to save the day right the family listens to this tape and it's Tommy saying I'm somewhere and these two guys <laughs> took me and yeah. I'm okay right now but I'm not gonna be okay soon unless you do what they say type of thing yeah in 24 hours I will not be okay yeah <laughs> like that's almost verbatim what's said and, um, I don't know why they put it, like, on Kathy's shoulders, like, she's got to find him or something. And then Kathy tells Vanilla Ice about it. They didn't put it on Kathy's shoulders. Kathy snatched the tape out of her dad's hands like, and so ran she, away she, to like, Vanilla Ice, who knew that he could help, or hoped that he could help. Right. Again, instead of going to police. She's like, I'll figure this out. But it seems like she's the one that has to, like, do it. Because her parents are like, we don't know what to do. She's like, I'll fucking take this tape. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, and I try to do something. It's about trying you, to prove that he is not, not part of the operation. Because they're, con you know, the parents are right. convinced. And again, they're not saying, like, don't hang out with Vanilla Ice because he's a bad guy. We think he's a bad guy because we saw him talking to the two thugs outside of our house. Yeah. And, and that's why they think they're connected is because they had a conversation, but nobody knew who the other one was. 
It's yeah. just like, hey, where where can I get to the nerd club? Can you tell me how to get to Sugar Shack Club? Mm-hmm. And, you know, these guys are also out-of-towners, and they're just fucking with them. Yeah. But that's what Gordon saw out the window. He's like, oh, these three are in cahoots. They're talking to and each other. And my daughter's being targeted by this guy, you know, this very inconspicuous-looking person with the <laughs> big, big spiked frosted tip hair and, you know, the... words on the leather jacket and everything very very covert operation and then i don't even know what but then nick arrives her boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend yeah and And yeah he's been beat up a couple times and he was beat up by yeah because tommy wants to ride on the motorcycle and so finally johnny's like okay let's have a ride on the motorcycle and Tommy flicks Nick off. (laughs) That was the funniest part in the entire movie. Yeah, probably. Flicking him off. And, you know... Yeah, and then... I mean, the father also doesn't want the daughter to be with Vanilla Ice because... He's also the reason why Nick is in the hospital. And And they're like, why didn't you go visit your boyfriend in the hospital... Yeah, yeah, because like, no one really knows how much of a her dick and his Nick friend. Is. Yeah, yeah, no Nick one sees lies that. to everyone else about yeah, what happened. Yeah, it's that typical douchey, yeah. preppy guy. It's what you see in pretty much every romantic comedy. Right. It's like, oh, you're with this guy who looks great on the surface, but when you actually get him in private, right. he's like, how dare you do this? Do what I say, and you know, I'm blah blah blah. Like her, she tr- she quotes like spends like two days with Vanilla Ice, and then like quote breaks up with him or whatever yeah which like, nick was talking about at the very beginning of the movie too he's like right. oh well when we both go away to college it's gonna be long distance we're probably gonna break you know right he's like trying to like approach the issue in some right way. like we're probably breaking up and if that's what you want then be whatever to different yeah. colleges i guess and, um, like, her her friends and his friends are like, you didn't even visit him at the hospital and blah, blah, blah. So everyone's telling her not to hang out with Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. So they, like, don't see each other for one whole day, basically. Yeah. And then um, Tommy, he skips Little League just to go hang with Vanilla Ice to be on his bike. And, you know, Nick was like, oh, I saw him with that guy with Vanilla Ice. Like, he doesn't really even say, like, Right, and then Tommy gets... Name. Yeah, and Tommy gets kidnapped, and people didn't so they know. Think, so, yeah, again, it's they're a all, very reasonable... They're all thinking Vanilla Ice is a bad guy when she's the only one that's like, no, he's a good guy. So she takes that tape and goes to where he's staying, which is around the corner... Mm-hmm. And they listen to this tape, and Vanilla Ice is the one that like finds out that um, Tommy is in that construction site area where they hung out at like two days before or something. Yeah, because he recognizes the sound like, in the know, background. He's like, "What's that yep. sound?" And everyone's like, "What sound?" Even he's, though you can hear a tapping sound. Yeah, he's a master audio analyzer at this point. He right. just plays the audio back. He's By like, the way, the bikes you... are ready at this point. They are about to skip yeah, town they were because gonna the go. bikes are now finally fixed. They were going to go, but then Kathy shows up. Yeah. But anyway, they go to the construction site, 
And this also shows how dumb the criminals are, right? So, um, they're like, you know, they have the flashlight inside this quasi-built house. Yeah. And they're like flashing it out the window a whole bunch of <laughs> times, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like flashing in the kid's face, like, eh, you're with us now. Yeah. Like, it's like some Home Alone Like, why is type everyone stupid in this like, movie? They're like the whatever bandits. Yeah, the wet bandits. The wet bandits, yeah. yeah. They don't do much other than they take a kid and then but flash then a flashlight around. Dumb. I so, don't know. <laughs> anyway, the the four people on the bikes, you know, the the crew, the ice, the VIPs. I don't know if they're called that in this, but that's what his posse was, right? So, yeah, I guess. Um, you know, they crash through the wall of the building and then start to beat up the the bad guys and good thing tommy wasn't right next to the wall that they crashed into because he sure was pretty close um and then they strap and then they have a bunch of the two bad guys on a car like (laughs) yeah their car i guess uh yeah probably the thug's car yeah because i was like okay they they return back. back and they return tommy to the parents and let me and also say, like, strap during... the two bad guys on their own car that Vanilla Ice is driving. Uh, while this is happening, again, to sort of reiterate the point that this is not meant for teenagers, really. Because it's, it's, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, the way, like, when they're chasing the boy around the house, and also during this fight scene, there's all kinds of, like, weird, wacky sound effects, and, like, swishes, and synth oh, noises, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like... They're bringing a Saturday morning cartoon mentality to all these potentially serious things to lighten it up. So it could be digestible for, like, an eight-year-old. Right. And they they even play, like, the video game. Like, when Tommy is playing a video game, they play the video game noises, like, really loud. So they know that he's playing. They don't show... Well, they show him playing football. They show a couple screens, but yeah. But they don't show him playing Super uh, Super Mario Brothers three, right? Even but though it is the, the noise, legitimate sound effects, which you can is hear the nice. the sound effects of it, and you're like, oh, he's playing that. Yeah. But also, like, when they whenever they show the crew at that crazy house, it's always like circusy type music. Yeah. Anytime there isn't like a legitimate song that's playing in this movie, the score is. Yes, like, like circus. Do, 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 it's like them doing random stuff because they're bored, waiting for the bikes to be fixed, and then showing the older couple trying to figure out how to fix the bikes, right. and they're playing that type of music. And, and okay, so the music was done by Stanley Clark, and I'm really, really interested in what he does with the other two 1991 movies that he did, and I wonder how much he purposefully kind of like biffed this soundtrack. So he's Emmy nominated for Pee Wee's Playhouse, so he has that kind of mm. playful stuff, right? But here are the other two movies he did in 1991 The Five Heartbeats oh. and Boys in the Hood. Huh. So I know that those are not going to be over the top cartoony bullshit. Did he do that on purpose? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like Stanley Clark, I don't know. Uh, you have no reason to listen to this, but let me, like, you know, reach out to us. Like, did you kind of, like, sabotage this score a little bit? Like, on purpose? Just kind of, like, knock Vanilla Ice down a peg? Mm. You know, because, I mean, look, Vanilla Ice does not have the best reputation in the rap industry. No. He didn't back then. Like, he obviously, he opened for a whole bunch of people, uh, big names, and then he went on tour with MC Hammer, who also does not have the best reputation in the rap industry. Um, he was super popular, 
but he was considered to be sort of like a sellout. Vanilla Ice, a lot of cultural appropriation is associated with his shtick. Oh, yeah. Um, also, just the fact that he's, you know, more style than substance, right. generally speaking. Um, so a lot of people just don't like his music or his vibe. And so I wonder if, you know, that's that's a personal theory that Stanley Clark may be kind of... Uh, took that to heart and messed with the score. That's what I want to have uh, in my mind. Um, anyway, back to the end of the plot, right? So, <laughs> sorry, yeah. after so, that little diversion. Tommy's returned safely. The thugs are tied up to the car. Um, everyone's ready is, to go. Yeah, and then, I, yeah, the crew is ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And then th- another thing that bothered let's me. Let's G.O. Yeah, let's G. I like a lot of what he said, though. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to go sling my schlong. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm just going to go across the street and sling my schlong. <laughs> like, all these things. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at that. And, like, know. when the dad, like, thanks him for, like, returning his son, he's like, thanks. Like, that's all Michael. Okay, Michael Gross played to dad. Like, right. He's like, thanks. That's all he says is thanks. And Vanilla Ice's response is, doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> no further conversation, but, Your Honor. That's it. So then Kathy leaves with their group. Yeah. And the parents are like, okay, see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care that she's gonna go. I know. He's redeemed himself. He's the good guy. But, okay, I know. Okay, so after all this, Villanelle Ice is like, so what are you gonna do, college girl? And she's like, well, I don't have to go to college just now mm-hmm. so yeah, is she going gonna to spend tomorrow. the summer with him only and then go to college i guess so because her parents are like yeah okay goodbye yeah and then they go then they go. <laughs> they well, go they go but actually first vanilla ice forgot something oh yeah All right, he forgot something because they start to go and then they turn around and he jumps over nick's corvette end of movie basically and then they drive off and then you're in another club where vanilla ice and his crew or johnny i'm sorry is rapping and singing a song about fucking a whole bunch of strange women Um, (laughs) while kathy is like while kathy is like grooving in the audience yeah end of movie (laughs) so (laughs) um it's a weird one a lot more we could talk about if we really wanted to like how you know how awkward the dialogue is when it exists and how there's so many unnatural pauses and things like that how little motivation there is for so many of these different things um the only thing i'll really say is like we could also compare this movie to a whole bunch of other movies in terms of like the soundtracks i actually kind of didn't mind that opening song what cool as ice yeah yeah i don't hate it i don't hate it like it okay as much shit as i'm giving vanilla ice in this whole thing (sighs) i mean he's got like three hits he's yeah (laughs) okay i like cool as ice more than i like ice ice baby as song as a song i like cool as ice more than i like i think it's he's not terrible as a lyricist in terms of like constructing songs but he just has the same fucking flow all the time. I'm getting, like, music criticism now, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> like, it, he just has, like, I don't, like, same delivery every single time. And, again, no substance. But, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to buy his album. No. 
I'm not going to buy this soundtrack, which is, I'm sure, what... I would buy the soundtrack for other songs. Yeah, the other songs that were in it, I really like. And then I do like Cool As Ice. His other songs, like the People's Choice or whatever. Which is also on here, yep. I was like, eh, I don't really care about that. No, or that weird-ass ballad that he had. That Never Wanna Be Without You. Like, he was was just trying to be... Everyone was like had trying had to be like R and B. Yeah, everyone had to have that. And like, not too many people can pull like it off. Like all rappers had to have that. Yeah. Like LL Cool J. LL Cool only... J could pull it yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> he one. He pulled it I off think. frequently. <laughs> yeah. And then he had the other one, like at the Sugar Shack Club. Oh man, that nerdy. The band. people. Yeah, the People's Choice was the song. Oh, like, is that what? Oh yeah. yeah okay, because I wrote down the name of the song that the nerdy band was playing because he used the same sample or. or it was like, thank you for letting me be myself. Yeah. But the nerdy band is credited as thank you, and then in parentheses, filletin' me, as a one word, <laughs> be mice elf again. Let's G-O to the cast and crew then. Uh, already talked about David Cog. David Sten, who wrote this, he's a producer and writer for actually some decent stuff. Uh, 21 Jump Street, Beverly Hills 90210. The L Word, Boardwalk Empire, uh, Hill Street Blues. Uh, we also have a couple other appearances by some people who are kind of known, but don't really have much to do. Like a couple cameos, I guess is the best way to say it. We got Bobby Brown, who plays like Monique, who they mentioned a bunch in this movie mm-hmm. of like a possible, you know, other love interest. She basically gives him his number to be, gives Johnny her number at the very beginning. That was played by Bobby Brown, who is known for like the Cherry Pie video and Great White videos and last action hero so um she was like the one like white girl who was like dancing in her bra at the very beginning of the movie uh and then you also have naomi campbell in the opening scene as like the club singer yeah which is kind of weird to see she probably had some relationship with david Kellogg or something and was like brought in as like a favor or something i don't know why she'd be there um i mean wasn't she also at the end no that was a different person so that wasn't like a different. So that yeah, was just. She was not part was, of the crew. Then, but when they at the end they have additional crew because they have like five to six other people dancing and then more singers and I was like who? And yeah, then, where do these people come from? Yeah, like, are like, they missing gigs like this? Yeah, like they don't talk about like is like who are these people? And then but then what did jazz princess? Because I didn't see them on stage at the end when right. he. Like, what did they... Who are they? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question that they don't Unless they're address. just, like, his friends that just roll around with him. I guess so. Yeah, there's really no... There's no understanding of, like, what this dude does or, like, you know, again, like, oh, we need to get out of here because I'm going to miss my show or nothing yeah. like that. No exposition. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, Jazz is played by Deezer D, which we confused <laughs> the character name with the actor name. Uh, he's known for CB4, Fear of a Black Hat. Um, probably best known to most people from ER, mm-hmm. Nurse Malik McGrath for 190 episodes, and he unfortunately passed early uh, January 2021 from a heart attack. Um, there's actually quite a few ER connections. Kristen Minter is also possibly best known for this besides ER. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played Randy Fronzak, is that how you pronounce it? For yeah. 71 episodes? Yeah, I know who she is. Uh, but she was also on Home Alone, or in Home Alone, um, probably just in the opening scene with all the kids. Like a sister? Yeah, something one like that. Of, sister one. or cousin or something. Um, but as far as we can tell, she's not related to Kelly Jo Minter. 
but it's our fourth fourth Minter movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another ER connection. Michael Gross, who played the dad, he was also on six episodes of ER. Just wanted to mention that really quickly. You probably all know him from Family Ties or the Tremors series. He's the only actor to appear in every single Tremors movie wow. that has been released so far, as well as the TV series. Um, and he's also in the 1991 movie In the Line of Duty, Manhunt in the Dakotas. So we'll get to see him again. The uh, the mom was played by Candy Clark. She's an Oscar nominee for American Graffiti. Um, she also played Buffy's mom in the movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, she's also known for Man Who Fell to Earth, Amityville, 3D, Cat's Eye, and she has been a whole bunch of stuff like that. Princess was played by Allison Dean. I'm kind of jumping all around. She was best known as playing Patrice in Coming to America, mm-hmm. the sister, um, who was one of the few people who did not return for the sequel. I'm just realizing. No. Which is weird. Um, they didn't really... They only showed her dad. Yeah, I mean, Louis Anderson came back. <laughs> you know, they, they brought him over. I mean, like, almost everybody... Her dad, Louis Anderson. They had, like, random people from the club scenes. They didn't the bring back, like, Eric LaSalle. He specifically... Didn't want Declined. To. So maybe, uh... So maybe she did, too, and I just don't know about it. But, right. Um, she's also been in Speed 2, and she'll also be in a 1991 movie called Without a Pass. Uh, Sir D, I don't really know what he's been in because I think IMDb is mixing the credits up of him with another person by his name, Kevin Hicks. There's a bunch of people named Kevin Hicks. The stuff that I found under the name and like the one picture that's in there shows a white guy. And <laughs> Sir D was not a white guy. Right. So it's possible that Kevin Hicks was in Rent-A-Kid and also one episode of FX the series, maybe. But it's really tough for me to know if something got mixed up there and also um nick's imdb page also has some errors in there john newton is the name of the actor they have him listed as winning nine different grammy awards for best choral performance best engineered album classical so i'm like oh that's interesting he went on to have a good you know career in music production no completely different john newton much older person um, this John Newton is an actor who was in Melrose Place, the Untouchables TV series, and he also played Superboy, uh, slash Clark Kent in a 1988 TV series, which I vaguely remember existing. Roscoe and May, the ones who were in the, the barn, the, you know, the couple fixing the, the bike, um, we'll talk about Roscoe later on. We've already seen him in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead as Franklin, mm-hmm. which we didn't really talk about in the episode, but he was there. He's in, like, seven other 1991 movies, so we'll talk about him later. Uh, May was played by Dodie Goodman. This is her only movie for this year. She's known for... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. That's actually not right. She's also in the 1991 movie Samantha. Um, She is probably best known to people of our age as playing Miss Miller in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, She is also an Aunt Drummond in Different Strokes. She's been on Grease 2. She's been on... 325 episodes of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. And she's a comedian from the days of the Jack Parr Tonight Show in 1957, all throughout the 70s. So she's been around for a long, long time. Tommy was played by Victor DiMattia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He played Timmy Timmons in The Sandlot. Mm -hmm. He also played Dennis the Menace in a 1987 TV movie. 
Uh, he's also been in Radio Flyer and Turner and Hooch. So you've probably seen him if you're a kid of our era. Um, I liked his performance. I, I liked him. Yes. I don't like he was the best person. <laughs> yeah. He was my favorite character out of all the people in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think Roscoe and May had the potential for it, but all their scenes were basically the same. Of, it was just them trying oh, to figure out. Oh, you aren't fixing this thing yeah. right. Oh, yes, I am, woman. Like, it was that yeah. kind of thing 30 yeah. times. So, um, But yeah, again, like, honestly, most of the acting isn't too terrible. It's just Vanilla Ice. Um, who's extremely stiff is Johnny. We'll see him again in TMNT2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, doing the ninja rap. Uh, he... <laughs> he has since gone on to become an Adam Sandler favorite, starting with That's My Boy. Yeah. Uh, in a pretty good role. That yeah. Was, that, if you want to watch I mean, he a likes... good Vanilla Ice movie, watch <laughs> That's My Boy, because that's surprisingly funny. I mean, he does know how to make fun of himself. Yes. Like, he, he knows yeah. that he was a has-been, I guess. And Yeah, he knows how to take advantage of his... Um, pop culture status yeah for sure which is which is good that's that's important to know honestly that's a big reason why so, so that's i mean that's sort of how neil patrick harris sort of got in the limelight it was like making fun of his public persona like in the harold and kamar movies and stuff like that oh yeah and then he became yeah because everyone's like calls him doogie even though he's been in like how I Met Your Mother as a totally different person. Yeah, but that, you know, that sort of came after he was willing to accept people making fun of him. Right, Duke, yeah. Right? So Vanilla Ice has sort of tried to do the same thing. Um, so we went on to do that, That's My Boy. Uh, Ridiculous Six, Sandy Wexler, and Wrong Missy, all, again, Happy Madison Productions. Yeah. Right, so um, he was also in The Surreal Life back in 2004, if you remember that. Yeah, I do. In 1991, he was on Circus of the Stars. <laughs> Uh, okay. Where Lizzie Nielsen was the ringmaster, we should watch that at some point if that's available. Other other quick 1991 TV appearances for Vanilla Ice. He was a musical guest for one episode of SNL that Joe Montina hosted, uh, and also he does have 1991 trading cards uh, from two different sets: music cards and then also the Yo MTV Raps set. He is also appearing in awards. Let's go to the awards. We already talked about a couple of them. Uh, it was nominated for the Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst Picture, but that lost to Nothing But Trouble, so we got that to look forward to. Um, in terms of the Razzie nominations, uh, it was nominated for Worst Picture, lost to Hudson Hawk, already talked about actor, director, lost to Michael Lehman for Hudson Hawk, screenplay, lost to Hudson Hawk, <laughs> and then original score, uh, original song, Cool as Ice, was nominated for a Razzie. I don't think that should have been nominated. Uh, yeah, probably should not have been. the song. But uh, MC Hammer, his former I mean, that, tour partner, that, Adam's Groove, that song was the winner. That song is the worst song. And deserves to get the worst <laughs> song. <laughs> I don't know well, why they didn't put, like, at... Ramsey up there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what about Suburban, Suburban Commando? Commando? That Those songs are worse than Cool as Ice. Yeah. Even probably worse than the Adams Group. Yeah. Um, MTV Movie Awards? There is one little thing mentioned, but no major awards. It was part of one of those, you know, commercial bumper things. You know, mm -hmm. the showcases, fake nominee of best inanimate objects 
So I don't know what inanimate objects would be considered is... Was his bike? I'm thinking either they went like more literal with the bike, maybe the fishbowl, but I'm also thinking like what if they kind of went more mean-spirited and just said Vanilla Ice himself? Oh, like so, he, his acting was so bad that he was like an inanimate right. object. So again, I mean, the, we'll put the I, call I out. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, if anyone out there has a copy of this MTV Movie Awards, 1992 MTV Movie Awards, let us know so we can watch these things. Um, we're still looking for a copy. Shall we move on to true crime and pop culture? So I'm just going to talk about um, Vanilla Ice's legal issues. Okay. And then I do have a couple of pop culture things at some point if we need. Oh, about him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I found this just, you know, through IMDb or like Wikipedia or just reading random articles. I also read that he's just not a nice guy. <laughs> I, I, cause I read, I was trying to find out, um, where this movie was filmed and it was filmed in the outskirts of LA in a suburb of LA and, um, there was this one website where it showed like where that crazy house is, the farm, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't look like that, how you see it in the movie. Sure. That house. So don't, because the, it was like, uh, this website was made by a person that was like, here's the address of that house, but don't go there because it's not going to be decorated that way. <laughs> there was a couple comments that I read that made me laugh where they were like oh yeah they were filming in my town when i was a kid and i remember vanilla ice not being that nice of a dude he's probably bothered all the time back then though too probably i mean because i think the it was people who were kids that were trying to get his autograph and he was like not into it Mm -hmm. so they thought he was not nice and then there was another comment that made me laugh and he said i remember he had hairy fingers (laughs) (laughs) i was like okay all right, I'll get into his legal issues. <laughs> Starting August 1988, Vanilla Ice was arrested in South Dallas for illegal drag racing. And probably on a motorcycle. Yeah, probably. In 1990, Vanilla Ice was threatened with copy... I mean, this is what I know. This is the only thing I knew about like his legal issues mm-hmm. was you know he was threatened with copyright infringement for the use of the samples of under pressure by queen and david bowie but that was settled out of court and i was trying to find out like what uh, what amount it was for and but i couldn't find it yeah but, oftentimes those things are confidential yeah. it's probably like a percentage or something and they didn't release but it. i don't know if you remember i can't i don't know if oh, this yeah, was that's on a very famous it was on uh, yeah and he was like no it's dun 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 dun, dun. but ours is dun 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 dun, dun or something like the yeah. the way he, we, i enunciate the dun dun in a different part he's like there's one extra dun dun yeah ours so it's completely I don't know different. if that was on MTV or what, but I remember that interview. <laughs> yeah, there's some famous interview that got pushed around. And I, yeah, I think, didn't that sort of like lead towards how samples were handled in future songs? I think so, because, I mean, like even... It was kind of a landmark case in that way, saying like if you have like eight notes in a row that match or something, then it's a sample and like they a have copyright to be compensated. Yeah. Something along those lines, I think. 
In June 1991, he was arrested in L.A. on firearm charges after threatening a homeless man with a pistol. And the homeless man's name was James Gregory. And James Gregory had approached Vanilla Ice's car outside of a supermarket and attempted to sell him a silver chain. Vanilla Ice and his bodyguard were charged with three weapons offenses. And Vanilla Ice pleaded, pleaded no contest. To that, but like no jail time or anything no, for that. Just probably no. fines or community service. Yeah. All right, and then January two thousand one, Vanilla Ice was arrested by police in Davie, Florida, for assaulting his wife, Laura. According to the criminal complaint, Vanilla Ice and his wife argued as they drove on the interstate, not five ninety five, which is you know up and down Florida, I guess. Vanilla Ice admitted to pulling her hair from her head, but it was to prevent her from jumping out of the truck that he was driving. He pleaded guilty to charges of disorderly conduct for four months later and was sentenced to probation and ordered to attend family therapy sessions. So Vanilla Ice's pet Wallaroo, so it's like a wallaby kangaroo. Okay. Bucky <laughs> and his pet goat Poncho escaped from his wife's grandmother's home in Port St. Lucie, Florida in November 2004. After wandering around local streets for over a week, the animals were caught and returned back to Vanilla Ice and he had to pay $220 fine for their expired pet tags. Okay. But I was like, can you have a wallaroo? <laughs> Some states have no restrictions. Okay. <laughs> Vanilla Ice appeared in West Palm Beach Court in September 2007 to be arraigned for driving with an expired license. In the months leading up to the court hearing, he had been pulled over for doing 74 in a 45 mile per hour zone. And he had illegally tinted car windows but it doesn't say anything else like mm. i mean he's probably just getting Such a minor fined offense. for yeah. these things yeah yeah on april 2008 vanilla ice was arrested in west or in palm beach county on a battery charge for allegedly kicking and hitting his wife he was released the next day after she declared that he had only pushed her. In court, the couple's neighbor, who goes by the name of Frank Morales, stated that it was merely a verbal argument. Vanilla Ice was ordered by Florida court to stay away from his wife following his arrest and to communicate with his children only through their neighbor, Frank Morales. And 2015, February 2015, Vanilla Ice was arrested and charged with residential burglary and grand theft after he allegedly stole furniture, a pool heater, bicycles, and other items from a Florida home that he thought to be vacant. He later accepted a plea deal, which would result in his charges being dropped following his completion of 100 hours of community service. I think that was, you know how he has his own, I don't know if they still do it, but he had his own, like, yeah, the home renovation the home show. Reno yeah. yeah, it was probably because of that. Maybe. 
Yeah, they're trying to find, like, cheap supplies for the show. And they're like, oh, here's this abandoned home. Let me take all the furniture. (laughs) Right. So as of April, or no, October 19th, 1991, I'll do the top five, because I think some of these are newish. Yeah, we haven't always done the top five, so. Yeah, yeah. because some of these songs, I'm like, I don't know if we talked about them yet. But uh, number one was Emotions by Mariah Carey. That was the first week on the charts. And so it debuted at number one. Yeah. Number two is Do Anything by Natural Selection. Number three is Romantic by Karen White. And then number four is Wholehearted by Extreme. That's a new... That seems new. Yeah. yeah. And then number five is Something to Talk About by Bonnie Raitt. Also hmm. new didn't realize that was 91 yeah me neither and um tv so i found if you were one of the many people not watching cool as ice in the theater right i don't know if i saw it opening day (laughs) i know i saw it so this uh, october 18th was a friday so it was the typical yeah tjf stuff yeah so it was Family Matters, Step by Step, Perfect Strangers, Baby Talk. And then we have on CBS Brooklyn Bridge, which we've talked about before. Yep. Princesses, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And then a show that I have not heard of called The Palace Guard. That's a show? Yes. That sounds like it would be like a TV movie. I think. It was debut. This is the debut of this TV show, and it was the first two. It was pilot part one, pilot part two. So it was two hours. So it could have been a movie. And. Or it was like a busted pilot type of a thing that aired once. It probably could have been, but it it lasted. I'm reading about this. It lasted five episodes. So these two, and then three Three more, more. and then. And then the rest of the season did not air. So, and there was like 10 episodes. Yeah. So they only showed like half. But it is a show about Tommy Logan, who is played by D.W. Moffat. Do you know who that is? The name sounds familiar, but I can't place the face right now. I know him from like Friday Night Lights. Okay. So, it stars Tommy Logan, who's played by D.W. Moffat, who's an expert jewel thief who has just gotten out of jail. He is hired by Arturo Taft as a security expert for his hotels around the world. It goes into a little further where Tommy Logan, he served three years in prison for jewelry theft. He's released on parole and he accepts an offer to become the head of security for this posh palace hotel, which, you know, mm-hmm. palace guard. Mm-hmm. And it's a hotel chain. And the two reasons why he was, he takes this job is because he previously enjoyed great success in stealing from high-class clientele. And he thought it would be a way to understand how to prevent others to do this. 
This it what sounds a really dumb. Show. <laughs> I that's why it only How lasted you, like five episodes. Yeah, who would have thought it wouldn't last? And then Artur his boss, Arturo Taft, is played by Tony Lo Bianco. I don't know him. No. But he was in the honeymoon killers. He was in the French connection. And then the other woman, the other character in this is Christy. Her, the character's name is Christy Cooper, played by Marcy Walker. And she is mostly known for being in the show Santa Barbara, the soap. Sure. She was also in All My Children. So she just did soaps. Trying the primetime thing. And yeah, just and it wasn't didn't do the... well. Yeah, there's so many shows that you mentioned on here that like we've never heard of or just don't recall that sound kind of interesting and be like, oh, that'd be fun to watch an episode like or this two. Ju- I mean, jewelry thievery there's... stuff. I don't know. It's kind of like watching, you but know, like, like oh, that's Ocean's Eleven. So I have a couple things for Vanilla Ice, pop culture wise. One is that um, so I know we've had a couple movies that have uh, video game adaptations. Oh, okay. This one kind of almost not really did. Vanilla Ice almost had his own Game Boy game. So there is a uh, finished, completely finished game that was unreleased called Rap Quest that was supposed to be a Vanilla Ice tie-in to his career. Um, At some point they had to change the name of the character to Cool Q, but it still never got released. Um, But... The ROM is out there. If you wanted to download it, you could possibly do that. We'll have a link on the website to uh, a review of this game called Rap Quest. The main plot of it is the Noise Boys have stolen the CDs from Rap City and you have to get them back. But uh, yeah, so it was really Vanilla Ice was supposed to have his own game at some point. So we'll have a link to the, the video of that. Um, check out Game Boil on YouTube. Uh, and then also Vanilla Ice had his own board game. Did you know that? No. In 1991. Uh, Vanilla Ice Electronic Rap Game. We'll have the link to a board game geek page. Uh, it comes with a beatbox speaker that looks like a microphone, um, which will play a beat for you, and then you're supposed to basically like freestyle rap on this board game thing. I also found a clip of uh, Jimmy Fallon playing it as part of like a failed board game segment he did back uh, a few years back. So we'll put that on the website as well. uh, So you can see what it looks like in action along with a couple of the other board games he featured in that segment. So yeah, Vanilla Ice was everywhere in 1991. And again, we're not done with them. We'll see him doing a ninja rap at some point in the future. So let's go to rankings and ratings. Mm Mm-hmm. On your one to five star scale, where would you put Cool as Ice? I'm going to give this a two. Two. That's not bad. That's probably pretty fair. Yeah, I'm going to say on my zero to four star scale, I'm going to give it a one. And that's mostly because of like the visuals of the whole thing. If it had any sort of semblance of a story, then it might even get higher. If Vanilla Ice was a better actor at the time, it would have gotten <laughs> higher. But yeah, I'm going to give it like a... What did I say? A one? I don't even remember anymore. I was saying it's a one. Okay. <laughs> Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think I would too. Like it's, again, it's sort of like Suburban Commando-ish or Rock and Roll High School-wise where like it's not a 
good movie, but it's still like fun for the wrong reasons, or maybe yeah. that's you know maybe those are the right reasons. I did read people. that the rift rift tracks did a thing on this movie. Oh yeah, like an episode or whatever. Yeah, that'd be fun to see what they do with it. Um, but it, it's there was like a midnight showing for the pic- kind of yeah. like oh yeah the room or something, and people are throwing like I don't even know what. <laughs> <laughs> People bring, ice cubes that would be yeah, dangerous. I don't know about ice that. cubes up in the air. Bike parts. Um, peanut butter, pickle, anchovy, mustard, pineapple yeah, sandwiches. Or just saying schlinging a schlong or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you out there want to watch Cool as Ice as it was recording in December 2021, it's available on Tubi, IMDb TV, Con TV, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're doing something a little bit weird and different. Uh, we're going to watch a movie that has a release date that's basically the same as the date that we're covering it. So next week, we'll be watching Millions, which is available on VHS and DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.